This is Equipping Eve, the podcast that seeks to equip women with fruits of truth from God's Word. In his second letter to the Corinthians, the Apostle Paul wrote, But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. A sincere and pure devotion to Christ begins by being grounded in his word. So let's open our Bibles, ladies, and prepare to feast on the truth God has given us. Well, hello, ladies, and welcome to Equipping Eve. I'm your host, Erin Benziger, and if you've been listening over the past, oh, several weeks, couple of months maybe at this point, you know that we have been walking through the Gospel of John. It's very high level. It's very bird's eye view, sometimes chapter by chapter, sometimes a couple chapters at a time, not word by word. I know a few pastors who can help you with that if that's what you want to do, though. Anyway, uh, what we're going to do today uh, is kind of uh, take a spinoff here from our study in John 6 a couple of weeks ago. So um, we're going to be partially in John 6 and in a couple other passages, just something that stood out to me when I was reading John 6, and I mentioned it at the time, but I decided to just go back and pause on the concept a little bit longer. So turn first in your Bibles, ladies, to John 6, and uh, let's see, we will start at, well, we'll just start at verse 35. And Jesus said to them, so he's speaking to the crowds here, he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day." For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. I don't know if you noticed a little bit of repetition in there, ladies. If you listened a couple weeks ago, you maybe picked up on where I'm going with this. This phrase that Jesus repeats over and over again, that he will lose nothing of all that the Father has given him, and he will raise it up on the last day. Those who believe in the Son will have eternal life, and he will raise them up on the last day. 
No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. It's a promise, ladies, a repeated promise. And I would say probably not with 100% certainty, but with fairly good certainty that this particular phrase, we don't really see this much in many other places in the Bible. But it's really prevalent here in these few verses in John 6. And that repetition is emphasizing something for us. It's this promise of a preservation of those who belong to Jesus all the way until the end. Indeed, all that the Father gives to Jesus, he will raise them up on the last day. Think to ladies of Philippians 1.6. It's a familiar verse for many of us. I am sure of this, writes Paul, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And it's these promises that we turn to in times when we need assurance of our faith, um, which can happen often in a world of confusion and chaos and sin. And we come to verses like this to remind us that God preserves his own. And so this took me to the idea of the perseverance or preservation of the saints. Uh, It's the pea and tulip, if um, we're going to open up a can of worms. Uh, (laughs) For those who hate the tulip. I love tulips. Uh, Side note. Anyway, and so I thought I would dig around and see if I could find some good thoughts from others here on this idea of perseverance of the saints or preservation of the saints. And I found a a great article from R.C. Sproul over at Ligonier, um, Tulip and Reformed Theology, Perseverance of the Saints. And it's interesting, he actually says in, at the end of this article, he says, I think this little catchphrase, perseverance of the saints is dangerously misleading. It suggests that the the perseverance is something we do, perhaps in and of ourselves. I believe that saints do persevere in faith and that those who have been effectually called by God and have been reborn by the power of the Holy Spirit endure to the end. However, they persevere not because they are so diligent in making use of the mercies of God. The only reason we can give why any of us continue on in the faith is because we have been preserved. So I prefer prefer the term the preservation of the saints because the process by which we are kept in a state of grace is something that is accomplished by God. My confidence in my preservation is not in my ability to persevere. My confidence rests in the power of Christ to sustain me with his grace and by the power of his intercession. He is going to bring us safely home. Earlier in this article, R.C. Sproul says, the whole purpose of God's election is to bring his people safely to heaven. And what What an amazing promise for us to cling to as believers, again, in this world of sin and chaos and confusion. And yet we have these promises from God sprinkled throughout all of scripture, these promises that he will preserve us to the end. And I think two ladies of Romans 8, and if you want to turn there, feel free and follow along. I'm going to start at verse 28, another familiar verse. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many many brothers. 
And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he, he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, For your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Don't you love passages like this and verses like this, ladies? Don't you love how kind and gracious our Father is to put this, make this truth so accessible to us? We who are sheep, we who stutter and stammer in our walk, we who fail and fall, we will lapse into sin. We will sin every single day for the rest of our lives, multiple times a day, until we get to heaven. That's just the way it is. We will never attain perfection in this life. But these promises that it is God who, who preserves us to the end, they are what bring us back to him. And that's not to say that we sin so that grace may abound. It's not to say that, hey, go out and sin because he's so forgiving and he'll preserve you to the end because you prayed that prayer when you were five years old. No, that's not a truly converted, regenerated heart that thinks that way, is it? No, but there is comfort in knowing that when we do sin, our Father has promised to preserve us to the end. And so we look not on ourselves, but we look to Christ, Christ in us, the Holy Spirit working within us to sanctify us, to convict us of that sin, and to grow us and conform us to look more and more like Jesus. And so those moments, those lapses, those failures, those falls, we don't say, okay, I have to pull up my own spiritual bootstraps. I have to rely again on my own spiritual strength. No, it's Christ. It's the Holy Spirit in us. Sproul says again in that article, the process by which we are kept in a state of grace is something that is accomplished by God. It is all a work of God. And so, yes, we persevere till the end, but only by the grace of God, only because he preserves us. And going back to John 6, which many of you know is one of my favorite chapters in all of scripture. Because of these promises that Jesus gives where he says, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. 
All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. He loved us because he loved us. I've heard Alistair Begg say that, and so I'm stealing it. It's nothing that we did. It's not because we went a whole day without sinning, so now God loved us. He didn't look down the corridors of time and see how awesomely we would you know, sanctify ourselves and so choose us. That's not how that works. He just loved us because he loved us, because he's a good, kind, gracious, and loving father. And he chose us not because of anything we did. And he will preserve us by his strength, by his power. I hope that's an encouragement to you today, ladies, because it's a mega encouragement to me when I reflect on these things in times of tottering and wobbling and um, just losing sight of Christ, which we all do because of the weight of life. And it's so easy to start looking at ourselves and we have to remember and look to Christ and place our trust back in him and ask him to help us do that because we cannot do it on our own. He preserves and he will help us persevere. Okay, ladies, today as uh, an endorsement, which again, I get no kickback from any of these. My Equipping Eve endorsements are just things I like that I'm sharing with you. So if you read the book, use the product, and you don't like it, don't contact the manufacturer and say, hey, Erin said this was awesome and you need to fire her because I'm not a spokesperson for anybody. You can email me and say, that was a really lame book. I didn't like it at all. And I'll say, well, you're wrong, but that's okay. Uh, my endorsement today actually is a book. Uh, it is a historical fiction book by Faith Cook. Uh, she's one of my favorite authors, so um, I am sure that over the weeks and months and years, you'll hear more endorsements, uh, more recommendations, if you will, of um, Faith Cook's works. So this book is called Caught in the Web, and uh, it's, a, like I said, historical fiction, and it takes place during the reign of Henry VIII and Edward VI and Lady Jane Grey. And, um, and so, of course, um, some made-up characters in there, but also teaching us some of that history and what was happening during that time. She's very faithful to the historical context of where she's writing, and it's just a very easy read. Um, but you're learning at the same time, which that's good for me. I need something that's easy to read but still teaches me uh, because the more thick theological tomes I've read in my days, the more I'm reverting back to. I just need you to just say it normally and don't use such big words. I don't know. Maybe I'm getting dumber with age or maybe I'm getting smarter and realizing that those great big thick books aren't always the answer to everything. I don't know, but this is a great book. I think you'll really enjoy it. It'll be difficult for you to put it down. So uh, let me know what you think if you do pick it up and read it. And we're coming up on summer, so that might be a nice summer read for you. And as a parting thought, ladies, remember, we all go through periods of doubt or despair, but we need to remember that no one can pluck us from the hand of Christ. He will raise us up on the last day. He who began a good work in you We'll bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is all about Jesus. It is all about his power and his love, and he will raise you up on the last day. All right, ladies, that's all for now. Until next time, get in your Bibles, get on your knees, and get equipped. Thanks for listening.